You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. You know, the enemy hates you voicing what's inside of you. He hates you decreeing, hates you to speak. He even hates us singing. Did you know that? You heard what? I don't know for sure if it's going to try to come into place, but the Premier made an announcement. They want us to not sing in church. I hope that makes you get angry inside. So the enemy knows. Do other things, but don't sing. Don't praise. Don't worship. Hates it. You can go to the gym and sweat flying everywhere. Fluids everywhere. I don't know how much you wash down things. I go to the gym. But, I mean, to me that's more dangerous than singing like this. Go to a place where you're going to... Any waiter that's going to hold their, your food, no, I, 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 you know, it's not a law that when a waiter holds your food, they don't talk. The moment they talk, you, they, they're going to have some, it's not a nice thought, is it? <laughs> a spit could fall on your food that you're about to eat. But, but the church, don't sing. Think about it. He hates it. The devil hates it. He really does. Just, just think about it. I don't know about you, but for years, I know, I know a lot of us probably thought, oh, when, the, when, you know, when, when we're going to be in the last days, and I might be one of those, gen- I might be the generation that will be living in the last days, and, and then the last day starts to come upon us. How are we going to live? We always say to ourselves, we're going to be on fire. We're going to be those ones. Let's not be asleep then. Let's not be the apathetic. Let's not be the, it should be right, mate. It's fine, mate. We just went through a pandemic. We went through a global pandemic. Still going through it. The nations, the earth shut down to some degree. Isolation, things shut down. Sport. Imagine in Australia, pubs shut down. I mean, serious. That was like, wow. Restaurants, cafes, sports. Everywhere around the world, not just here. Just don't forget the, the days we're facing. That's all I'm reminding, reminding us. Let's be very awake, very aware. The Bible says watch and pray because prayer keeps you watching. Prayer keeps you awake. Watch and pray. Just be alert. The word watch means to be alert. The opposite of alert is not, a, not aware of the surroundings that are around us. So I'm saying that to remind us. Just let's be stirred up. It's beautiful to worship God together. Don't take that for granted. And, and I appreciate the guys that serve week in, week out, and we thank them. Be grateful, but to, to encounter God together. It's beautiful to encounter God in your bedroom. It really is. We've got to have both. Encounter God in your bedroom. Encounter God in your togetherness, your, the gatherings, the corporateness. There's something powerful that takes place in this moment. But you can't have one without the other. Have this without the, your intimate relationship with God won't be powerful. Have intimate relationship with God without this also won't be powerful because we've created for each other, designed by God to need one another. God actually says you're a body. You're a body of Christ. Just as your human body, every part needs each, each part, then we need one another in that same manner. I was thinking this morning when, as we were worshipping, uh, just a scripture that if we're full of ourselves, we're not going to be full of God. So you have to humble, you have to be empty of yourself to be full of God. You have to humble yourself. Humility is a beautiful key. Jesus, God in the flesh, yet he called himself humble in heart. Come to me, all you, a labor, heavenly laden, come to me. I am I'm, I'm lowly 
in heart. That means humble in heart. I'll give you rest. So, so one of the biggest keys, I just want to share, I just want to remind us, one of the biggest keys of humility, I really believe this, if you grasp this, if you get this, um, it says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, For who makes you different from another person? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So I just thought about that many, many years ago. When I read that, I thought, everything I have, I've received. Everything. Not just natural things, material things, but in Revelation. It's talking about Revelation. Every revelation that I ever received from God, I received it from somebody else. I can't own it. I can't say, well, I'm good because I got this revelation. Not at all. Because pride can set in when you think you got it. But what about when I get it from the Word? I don't know. Get, get it from the Word. Well, I didn't get it. Paul, Paul paid a price and he wrote Scripture. I'm getting the revelation that he pioneered, he paid a price for. And, if, and in Jesus, the words of Jesus, same thing. It, it, Anywhere in the, in the Bible is inspired by God. But um, what about when the Holy Spirit gives me a truth? Well, it's not mine. He gave me the truth. And so, so you've got to just get to the place, you know what? No matter what I have in God, it was given to me. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says this. Paul said, knowledge puffs you up. Knowledge makes you proud. But love builds Love will build you up, build others up. Love will keep you humble. But pride, more, I mean, the more knowledge you get, you can actually get proud. And we don't want to be proud people. We want to be hungry people, hung, humble people that seeking after God consistently, desperately saying, I need you. I can't do life without you. I am nothing without you. Just like Jesus said, I can do nothing without my Father. He knew that without God, he couldn't do anything. Because he emptied himself of the privilege of being God. He was God, but he didn't operate as God. He released it all and, made a, and walked in covenant with God in relationship through faith in God. Amen. Now, I say all that because we're talking about how to recognize the voice of God. And, and the more I think about this, the more I prepare, the more I meditate, the more I pray into this, the more I think, how do you deliver this? The more I realize it's all about the posture of our heart. It's so, our heart is everything. And, and Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So when you're a sheep, you will hear his voice. But you've you got to stay a sheep, you know. You don't, don't become a goat. A goat is doing your own thing. A sheep is, God, I want your will. So those that say, I surrender my life, I crucified my flesh, I don't, die, I don't live for myself, I live for you, it's going to be easy to hear the voice of God. So your heart's going to be postured, doesn't it? So, so last week we, we spoke about this. There's seven things. I got this teaching originally from Rick Warren. He spoke about seven things that we use as a filter to hear, the, 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 to recognize the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God is everything, isn't it? Because you've got a relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with God if it's one way? You do all the talking, but you never hear him speak. So it has to be two ways. You have to hear and recognize his voice when he speaks. So, so it's vital to your relationship with God. So again, if you think, well, Lee, I don't know if I've really haven't heard God's voice for ages. More likely you do hear it, you just don't discern it. You don't recognize it. And sometimes you probably do it and obey it without even realizing that was God's voice. But you do hear God's voice. We just got to know how to recognize. And that should get more specific, more detailed, more and more as we grow. Um, the first point that we spoke last week, we're not going to go into it, but there's seven filters we want to look at. The number one was um, that when God speaks, he always speaks according to the word of God. It's going to be in agreement with the word of God that's already clearly put, put Written out. 
He's not going to write one. Th- he's not going to, you know, write one thing or do whatever he's done in the past, and it's going to be consistent with that. Now, even that's got to be interpreted right, because some people think, well, if it's not in the Bible, then it's not going to be done. No, we're talking about the theme of it, like the fruits of it, the message, the mission, the purpose. If God didn't manifest a certain way in the Bible, it doesn't mean he can't do something now. That's, the manifestation is different. But the fruit behind it, glorifying Jesus, points us to Jesus, gets people saved. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So you've got to look at, is this in agreement with that word? Okay, that's very important. Number two was, does this impression, this thought, this idea that I think, is it God or is it not? If I do this, will it make me more like Jesus? And we, we spoke about that last week. Will it make me more like Jesus? And, and we know that Jesus is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. So you can put all those fruits of the Spirit. So if I do this, will it make me more loving? If I do this, will it make me more joyful? Will it, if I do this, will it be peace? Will I have more peace? Will I walk in peace? And, and so on. And patience and all these things. But also James, we, we won't have time to it, but James makes it really, really clear. He says, With our mouth we bless God. And with the same mouth, we curse people. He goes, how can we do that? Out of the same fountain, can't, like if there's a fountain, you can't be fresh water and salt water. And, and James says, my brothers and sisters, these things cannot be. You can't do that. You can't bless God with your mouth and the same mouth curse people because people are made in God's image. So when you understand that, you value them, you don't speak. Curse men with your, with your mouth. Out of the same fountain, it doesn't come out salt and fresh. It's talking about a source. So again, if your heart's connected to the right source, then the wisdom that comes from above is first pure. It is peace-loving. It is full of mercy. It is considerate. It's considerate of others. And it's um, uh, submissive. So we spoke about all these things. When you're hearing from God, you're going to have a submissive heart. You have no problem with other people to speak into what you think is this God or is not God. You don't keep it to yourself. You're happy to say, what do you think? Can you speak into this? I'm feeling this is from God. And you go to the right people, obviously. You have the mature people. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, okay, number three is, does my church family confirm it? Now, we obviously ask mature believers, what do you think about this idea or this thought or this decision, this impression that I'm feeling, I'm sensing? It might be a business idea. And you submit it to them. You say, but mature people, People that you look up to, I was saying like last week, we don't, if I, if I want, if I got an idea on something to, with my wife, I'm not going to go to someone that's had four marriages. They've been divorced four times and on the fifth marriage, I'm not going to ask them for advice. Give me some wisdom, hey? And same with business idea. I'm not going to go to someone that's bankrupt five companies and now he's gone, going for the sixth bankruptcy and I'm going to ask him, how do you do business? I'm not going to go, I'm going to go to people that have got fruit. Got real, real fruit behind them. Success in the right sense of that. Fruitfulness for the kingdom. And so, um, same with when we go, when we wanting to ask mature believers, does the church family around me confirm this? Um, If you have an impression or a thought from God and you have a resistance to tell anyone about it, this should be a big, huge red flag. You've got an impression, a thought, a direction you want to take, but you don't want to tell anybody. Oh, I, just don't, I just don't want to. That should be a, a huge red flag, don't you reckon? Because God doesn't walk, work in darkness. Because God's spirit is submissive, considerate. God is very considerate. All right. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. This is in the 
um, Passion Translation, verse 10, it says, The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and every rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realms God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. God wants to reveal his wisdom through the church. So again, we don't go running around. This is a disclaimer. You don't go, I'm going to run, uh, I'm going to go ask 100 people until finally one person agrees with this crazy idea. That's, you can't do that. So you don't go, oh, no, he said no. He thinks I'm crazy. He thinks that I'm going to just keep asking until someone says, uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And it, that's not what I'm talking about. Truly submit it to people that you trust, look up to. And the problem with a lot of people is um, they make decisions on their own. We weren't created to live our life on our own. Proverbs says, uh, in the multitude of many counselors, there is safety. So wisdom says, listen to a lot of different people. Listen and hear and, and, and get direction. Um, also, Proverbs talks about the wisdom from the righteous can save you. So one of the biggest reasons we, we mess up our lives is we don't have any godly friends. And if we do have godly friends, we don't listen to godly friends. So again, God places people around us. When it's a big decision, a really big decision, like a career path, I don't know, or who to marry, or um, changing, God's moving me on. He's asking me to, to do this ministry. And, and I, say, well, God, I, I, God, I feel like God's saying to me to go to another church. I think that should be spoken to pastors, elders, people in leadership that could speak into that. This is the, the key. It's really, really easy to pastor people when we're 100% honest and transparent. It's, it's actually difficult to shepherd people when we're not honest and when we're not transparent. It's just simple truth. When you're honest and transparent, when I left my first church, I got saved in a church, and I, I, felt, I was there for three and a half years, and God called me to plant a church. I spoke to my pastor. I sat down, and I said to him, I feel um, God's called me to plant a church. Now, I had to be honest with him. And the honesty that I needed to share with my pastor was, the problem is I don't believe the same teaching you teach. So that church taught, unless you speak in tongues, you're not saved. I found in the Bible, the Word of God doesn't teach that. And there's a lot of other things they taught that was unbiblical, very clearly unbiblical, that unless you speak, unless um, you baptize in the name of Jesus, you're not saved. So if you've been baptized, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're not saved properly. So there's a lot of things. I, I couldn't say, I'm going I'm to stay with you, sign on your constitution or their license as a minister and, and be true to your doctrine. Because it wasn't true. It's not what I believed. So I shared all that and explained to him. And he goes, I can see that, this, that yes, you, you need to plant, but you're not with us. He, he knew. But if I didn't tell him that, he probably would have thought, why don't you just plant with us? At first, he thought I should plant with them. Until I was honest, transparent, he could say, you know, I can see God is definitely moving you on. You know? And so he thought I was deceived, of course, but I know I wasn't. And so all I'm saying is the more we're transparent and honest, then it's easier to pick up, is this from God? Okay, um, that's why it's important to be in a family, church family, one. And then when you're in the church family, you should be in a connect group, accountability place. It's where you do life together. You, you, you've got real friends, relationships. You know about their life, they know about your life. It's not just a connect group, but you do life together. You build relationships. And again, when you need to ask, you submit it to them. Say, so what do you guys think about this idea, this impression that I've got? Is this from God? What do you think? And we, we, we test it. We soundboard it out. The Bible says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. So as, as people, we sharpen each other in hearing God. I, I like the picture of the coals of fire. 
in a bonfire, coals of fire stay alight much longer. You take one piece out and put it out by itself, it'll lose its fire really, really quickly. The devil loves isolation. The devil loves for you to be out there by yourself because you're easy target. The wolf or a lion or that, when they try to get a herd, they always try to get the outskirts, the weak ones, the sickly ones, and they try to get them out isolated. Usually the babies and try to get them isolated. If you get them out there, they can take them out. But in the herd, they're protected. It's just a picture. It's just, it's just a reality. And so the enemy wants to isolate you and get you alone. Uh, who remembers Yellow Pages? Yes? All the old guys? Remember? I, used to, I like to do this with Yellow Pages. I don't like to do it with the Bible. But if this was the Yellow Pages, it's so easy to rip one page. One by one, I can rip every one. Put the Yellow Pages together. It can't. Why? Each page, all of a sudden, strengthens the other page. When it's together, we're strong. God created us that way. It's just the way God created us. We, we are a body, and together we're strong. We're supposed to be united. And it's, a, it's just a beautiful picture. Um, so don't underestimate that the church family should confirm it. I want to read you um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Everybody quotes this first part, but leaves the second part out. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We all believe that, perhaps 100%. The peace of God rules. The word rule is like an arbitrator or an umpire. Let the peace of God rule like an umpire in our hearts. That's how we get directed. To the which, to which also, what is it talking about to which also? To this peace, you were also called in one body. In other words, we should be called in one body. And so when you understand we're one body, I would never lie to myself. Why would I lie to you? If I lie to you, I'm lying to myself. When you see yourself as one body. There's safety in, in that honesty, in that transparency. Remember, we're the kingdom. We operate as a family. We, are the, we, we operate in how it would be in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine how they would relate to each other in heaven. No lying in heaven. Complete honesty. Beautiful. So, so it's vital that we are connected and accountable and we let people speak in. Number four... Again, you might go one, two, one is right. It's according to the word of God. It's an agreement. I think if I do this impression, it'll make me more like Jesus. It's okay. It's not going to contrary me against Jesus' nature. Number three is my church family has confirmed that they believe this is a good thing to do or a good direction. It might be a business idea. Number four, is it consistent with how God shaped me? Now, God has created everyone a particular shape. Psalms 139 is really clear that every single day ordained for you was written in God's book before any of those days came to be. So imagine that for a second. I'm going to say this over and over until we really believe it. I know you hear me say this all the time, but I believe it. There's a book in heaven about your life. God thought about you before you were even born. He, he, he gave the time to write a whole book about your life. It's written in heaven. We need to know what's in that book. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God prepared the good works for us to do before we were born. He's prepared a pathway. And the, we are God's uh, workmanship. The word workmanship is poema. don't know if I'm saying that for the Greeks. I'm sorry if I'm saying it right. A product, it means a product or a fabric, a product that someone creates or a fabric thing that is made, a workmanship. 
we get the word poem from poema. So you are God's poem. You are God's workmanship. You are God's crafty work. He's your, you're his artwork. He formed you, created you. He shaped you a certain mold, a certain way. And when he did make you, he broke the mold. He's not going to make another one like you. You've got to believe that. That's why it's important to believe that because you're not going to try to be somebody else. You don't compare yourself with other people because you can, only, you can be the best you. There's no other better you on this planet. You're going to be the best you. You have to be free to be yourself. I don't have to be like anybody else. I don't have to compare myself. We can admire. Wow, I love the way they do that. I love the way they speak. I love the way they communicate. I love the way they, they got their strength, their gifts. might inspire you, but don't want to be like them. Be so secure, you can be free to be yourself. So shape, let me find this. Here we are. <clears throat> your shape determines your purpose. So the word shape is made up of an acronym of S for spiritual gifts, H for your heart, A for abilities, and you can develop your abilities, grow your abilities, you know, it's like your skills, um, P for personality, and E for experiences. Those five things make who you are, shapes you are, the way you have grown into that. And God has, I believe, uses those things to shape you a certain way for your, for your calling, for your purpose. So if shape follows function or the function follows the form. So if something's formed a certain way, like these seats are, are designed, the shape of it is to, to get someone to sit on it. It's designed for sitting. This, this stand's designed to do its purpose, to do its function. It's to hold up this thing. The, the guitar, there's no guitar up here right now, but a guitar's designed with the air and the little space and the strings to make music. That's why the, the function of a guitar will make what it's called to do. Drums have got a different shape. It's got a different purpose, so that makes a different sound. Um, this is to hold things, but I wouldn't want to sit on it. It's not designed for me to sit on it. This isn't designed to sit on, is it? You'd be in trouble. It's got another, it, the shape has got a function, a purpose. So it's true of animals, uh, birds. They've got light feathers, light bones, very light bones. They've got strong muscular thing and, and feathers, and they can fly. They're designed to fly. God created them. Their shape enables them to do that function. A fish in water, all the fishes, They've got gills, they've got the fins, and they've got the way they slime, the way they, the way they can handle the water, they can breathe underwater. They're designed to do that. Try get a fish flying. It's shape designed for its function. It's in the world everywhere. A horse is designed to carry a person and loads and everything. But you try getting a big dog to do what a horse is called to do. No matter how big the dog is, it's not going to do what a horse can do. You can even get a donkey or a zebra to try to do what a horse is to do, but it doesn't have the temperament, doesn't have the personality. Horses is designed by God to carry humans and to carry loads and to do work and all that. That's why we've used it for, for centuries, thousands of years. Shape, the way it's muscular, the way it can do what it can do, for a purpose. So that's why we've got to know, okay, God shaped me. And when God's speaking to me, is it according to the shape, the purpose, the calling that God's called me into? Or else you'll be thrown left, right, and center. When I first became a Christian, um, you know, I think a year, two years after I became a Christian, 
Um, I used to be a fashion designer. I, I, in, in fasting and praying, I started to hear and I started to feel that God was wanting me to start uh, fashion, uh, start fashion designing again. Now, my motive was this. This is what my motive is. I'm going to make a lot of money for the kingdom. I'm going to build churches. I'm going to give money to the poor. I'm going to help people. I'm going to make this label go crazy. I'm going to make lots of money, and it's for the kingdom. Now, my motive was, yes, the right motive, so I thought. I started the fashion designing again because I used to do it, and I started, and the first hurdle, two weeks later, I gave up. I lasted for two weeks because it wasn't my shape. Uh, my motive was, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I've done that heaps of times over the course of my life where sometimes I'm going to do this. That's a great idea. I'm going to do this. And my motive might be right. I do it for God, but it's still not my shape. And what God's shown me is what I've called you to do, do it well. Do it. Focus your energy, attention, abilities, and and do that so well. Only you can do it the way you're called to do it. I don't have to compare myself with somebody else, but do it really well. Because that is, God will speak to me according to my shape. Does that make sense? Or else we're going to be all over the place every time we get a new idea. And we've got to find what am I created here for? What I might put on this earth? If you're a, um, I'll let you read Romans chapter 12 really quickly, verse 6. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace of the gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any funfare. What's it saying? Everyone's got different gifts. We're not, we can't be, no one is good at everything. That's why we need one another. You can't, one person doesn't know how to do everything. We need, just like your body needs each part to do its function, we totally rely on each function, each design part to do that part. It's shaped to do that part. It does that function. Your body needs it. So it is with Christ. So God will speak to you according to your shape. If you've got a heart for, I don't know, administration. Some people, administrators, they can see all the holes and all the, we should do this, we should do that, we can do this. Because you're gifted that way. God will speak to you along those areas of gifting. If you're a teacher, then God's going to use you as a teacher. If you're a musician, you're a gifted musician, God will use your gift for the glory of the, of the, of the Lord. So you, whatever God's gifted you with, you surrender and say, God, I want to use it for you. Does it make sense? Um, it's vital that we do that. Like, there's certain things, no matter how much I could have loved a particular sport, I could have loved basketball, but I'm not shaped for a basketball player. Simone and Enrico, they are shaped for it. They just keep growing. And they're shaped for it. But I'm, I can try to be. I was a rugby league player. I still wasn't shaped for a rugby league player. I was tiny and I didn't grow much. And so, got to know what you're shaped for, what God's called you to do. It, God will not lead you into something that's contradictory to the gift He's placed inside of you. It's not going to speak to you along those areas. If you've got a heart for intercession, you've got a heart for evangelism. I think the problem is when evangelists try to tell a pastor how to shepherd. Vice versa, a pastor trying to teach an evangelist how you should evangelize. Now, we get encouragement from each other. We should all share and get encouragement. But when we start getting into someone else's role and telling them how to do it, it's not going to work right. It's connected to number five. And it's, it's referring to, does this uh, concern my responsibility? So if God's going to speak to me, I, I need to ask myself, is it, 
consistent with the responsibility God's given me. Now, that might sound a little bit vague, but let me explain. When I first was a young Christian, a baby Christian, God's going to speak to me about my walk, me. But he's not going to talk to me about pastoring a church because I wasn't a pastor of a church. It's not my responsibility. Why would God speak to a baby Christian about pastoring a church? I wasn't in that place of faith. I wasn't in that place of maturity. I wasn't in that place. But once I finally became a pastor, then God's going to speak to me about shepherding people. He'll speak to me in the lines of my responsibility because it's part of my calling, part of my shape. Now he speaks to me according to my, my responsibility. But as I grew, for many, many years, all I, all I was concerned on, my responsibility was this church. But as my heart grew, as responsibility grows, as faith rises, God starts to speak to you about the church worldwide. Not just this church, not just this congregation. God starts to show you, I care for every other church and every other believer as much as you care for this church. And your heart grows and because you're maturing, your faith grows, he starts to speak to you according to your responsibility. Because that responsibility will grow. But it will be in line with the, that, that calling. John chapter 21, um, J- Jesus is talking to Peter, right? And he says, you know, the whole story, if you love me, you, say, oh, you know I love you, then feed my sheep. And Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And he goes on to say, and then he says, most assuredly I say to you, Peter, when you were young, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you, you, know, you dressed yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you or clothe you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying what death he would glorify God. Then he says to Peter, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple that Jesus loved. He saw John there, the beloved one, the one that Jesus loved. And the first thing he says, but Lord, what about this man? And what does Jesus say? If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So basically God is saying, what is that to you when we look at, we look at what about that person? What about that guy? What about, we always look at somebody else. We can be so judgmental and look at other people's walk. I think it clouds the voice of God when we get, we get into another channel. We go into in a channel that God is not speaking on when we're always looking at others, criticizing others, judging others, trying to hear the voice of God for everybody else, and you're not even doing a good job to hear the voice of God for yourself. What did Jesus say? Take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take a speck out of someone else's eye. Is that the right way? Yeah. We've got this big giant plank. We can't hardly see, and we're trying to take little specks out of other people's eyes. Jesus is saying, if you take the plank out, take care of yourself, hear the voice of God for you really, really well, then you'll be able to hear clearly. Then you can take the speck out of other people's eyes. But we try to get that done first we, by judgmental, critical, always, always thinking for somebody else and hearing for them. And you'll be surprised how we fight other people's battles, or battles that aren't even our battles to fight. Again, it's the posture of the heart. And don't fight a battle you're not called to fight. Um, Jesus says, what is that to you? Whatever I want from him, what is that to you? Romans chapter 14 says it really clearly. Uh, Paul says, do not judge another man's servant. Now think about that. We all have the same master. Jesus is a master. We all have the same master. But each person has their own relationship, their own expectation. Their own agreement, everyone. So the Lord, Paul says, who are you to judge another, another master's servant? We have, we have no place to judge someone else's, because it's a relationship. 
If you think religion, if you think rules, if you think religion, this is the religion, this is the truth, this is what we have to do, then you think everyone else has to be doing this. But when you think relationship, I've got no place to judge somebody else. They're at their own walk, their own maturity, their own journey. They'll get their own revelation. And Paul says, let them be fully persuaded in their own mind. If they only eat vegetables, then that's fine. They're eating vegetables because that's their faith to God. If they eat meat and so on, then that's, they're eating meat because they have faith in God, to God. Let the, everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. He says, one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account for ourselves. So as long as we're critical, judgmental, always, always worried about what other people are doing, you're not going to hear. You're on the wrong channel. You're not going to hear the voice of God speak to you clearly. I really wanted to communicate this well, but moving on really quickly. Number six, when you hear the voice of God, it's going to be convicting rather than condemning. The voice of God won't sound like condemning. A condemning voice is like you're full of guilt, you're full of shame. It hits your self-worth. You're not valuable. You're hopeless. And you just hear this guilt, condemnation, shame that comes on you. A devil is this type. He, he tries to minimize sin. He tries to say, it's okay. Everyone else is doing it. You should just do it. Go ahead and do it. But, you know, he, he minimizes it by saying, everyone else is doing it. Just might as well do it. Then you go ahead and do it. And he goes, ah, oh, you wicked slime. The slime of the universe. You're so, and you're supposed to be a Christian. Ha 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 ha. And he starts condemning you the moment you do it. He minimizes it. You get, he gets you to do it. And then when you do it, well, he doesn't get you to do it, you obey. And, and then he vomits condemnation. Holy Spirit convicts with hope, with encouragement, with redemption, with knowing. Look, Holy Spirit does convict you. He pinpoints the wrong and he says, come on, let's work this together. Let's, let's, let's. Let's work this out together. I will help you get over that thing. With love, with encouragement. But the devil, when he's condemning, it's vague, it's general. You don't even know what he's condemning you about sometimes. He just, you know, he does spew on specific things. But in general, how do you get rid of that? When the Holy Spirit convicts you, you repent, confess to God. It is faithful and just to forgive you. The moment you confess to God, it's forgiven, it's done, and it's finished. It's under the blood. Because Jesus is our intercessor. He's our mediator. He actually went there and got condemned for us. That's why it says in Romans 8, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if I fall into the flesh, I got to, the Holy Spirit convicts me. I say, God, forgive me. And I deal with it. And now I'm walking in the Spirit. It's gone. I'm not going to get condemning voice. You've got to know the difference. You've got to be able to sense the difference between when the Holy Spirit convicts you. Revelation 3 verse 19 says, Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, this is an amplified version, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will. So it's, it's saying, it's like a, a, a father when my... My kids, if they missed the mark or they disobeyed me, they, I asked them to do something, they didn't do it. I don't scold them. I don't go, you worthless little so-and-so. I don't do that. I don't say, you, you're wrong with you. You're stupid. You're hopeless. You're mountain nothing. That's, that's hitting their value, isn't it? That's hitting them as a person. We never do that. We, say, we, we lovingly say, listen, the reason why daddy doesn't want you to do that is because it's actually harmful for you and it hurts that person and explain and you're better than that God has so much beautiful plans for you 
God wants you to let go of that so that he's got this beautiful plan. You're so valuable, so special. God wants you to have a loving relationship with him. So you're encouraging, you give hope, you give faith, you give love. A good father does that. Now, we haven't all grown up with good fathers. I haven't. But it doesn't mean I don't know my good father in heaven. You can be healed of all the hurt that we've grown up with that gave us a wrong image of God. And the last one is, do I sense God's peace about his direction? Do I sense God's peace about his direction? And I think this is, again, a posture of the heart where we train ourselves to obey the word and and obey our conscience our conscience is the voice of the spirit if you disobey it all the time that's why that's why sin blocks the voice of God if we sin and and habitually sin it hinders our ability to hear the voice of God it's not going to be clear so we need to get rid of that but but the peace is it's learning to to tune your spirit to sense peace it's oneness with God sometimes the thing is, when, when Jesus says, we're going to the other side of the lake, guys. We're going to go there. And so they got into the boat, went to the other side of the lake. What happened? A massive storm came. So just, Jesus gave us the word. We're going over. So you hear from God. You're going over. And now the storm arises. So that doubt, unbelief can hinder the peace. Now you've got to, in life, you've got to say, okay, I heard from God, but I'm still facing in the natural realm, the fleshly realm, the soulish realm, you're, you're getting doubts, unbelief lies because the circumstances are, are speaking against it does that make sense God tells us get this building we come into we step into getting this building a number of years ago but now we have to have faith to, for the finances we have to have trust for God does that mean I won't have bad negative thoughts saying what happens if God doesn't provide yeah I've got to fight that and keep my inner peace I've got to have that inner peace so when you hear from God here it doesn't mean you won't hear doubts here in the flesh but you've got to you've got to maintain okay I've heard from God it happened with my wife when, I, when we were first dating. I sought God. I, I fasted for seven days to find out if she's the right person. God spoke to me in my fast. Yes, she's the right person and made it clear, assurance. She knows I was clear. Six, after we started a relationship, six months later, cut a long story short, I let a little if in. What happens if I'm making a mistake? What happens if she's not the right person? What happens? Just a little if. It was so small, but I entertained it. And it started to bring confusion doubt, unbelief. But God's not an author of confusion. So I had to get rid of those bad thoughts, those negative thoughts, and those thoughts the devil's trying to bring doubt, because that peace was always here. Does that make sense? We need to understand how that works. I think there's such thing as false peace. I'm going to close with this. False peace comes when we hear lies. When we hear lies, I don't know, if you're at work, if you're at business, or in church, you hear lies about the company, about the boss, about your employer. And you hear this and I can't believe he's doing that. I can't believe this is happening. You get unjust feelings. You get unfair, unrighteous. This is wrong. And so you know what? That's it. And you finally make a decision. I'm going to move on. I'm going to get out of here. When you leave, you feel a little bit of peace from the ease of unrighteousness. And, unf- and, and this is wrong. That's why it's important. When we get negative input, I've been there, guys. I have been there. I got so negative when I only had another church. I had one first church. I got so negative about everything. I could only see negative. I really could. And it poisoned me. The negativity made me skewer. My, my view, everything, all I could see is wrong. And, I, and it was my insecurity to show people, look how much I can see. Look how much I can see what needs to be fixed. 
And I would voice it very clearly. We should do this. We should do that. We're not doing this enough. We should be doing that. I became so negative. All I could think of is negative. It wasn't just negativity. I became critical. And I was on another channel again. God doesn't speak on that channel. And so I had to, had to clear myself from that, realizing, you know what? I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to get into that place of judging because it's poison. Because in that place, you're not hearing God clearly. It hinders the voice of God. That's why the Bible says, be thankful always, for this is the will of God concerning you. Praise God all the time. Give thanks always, for this is the will of God. I mean, just it talks about this heart of appreciation. Be thankful. In that place, you're going to hear the voice of God. Because then if you have allowed the poison to come into you, and then you go, that's it. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to move on. And then you'll feel a false peace. I believe that's true. So can we pray? We want to hear God's voice. We want to discern when He speaks. We want to please our Father. And Lord, we thank You that in these times, Lord, the media is speaking so much fear, so much doubt, so much lies. We don't know what to believe when you, when you look on the internet, Lord. But we got Your Word. We're going to be anchored with the Word of the living God. When God speaks to us, we want to be anchored. We want to be rooted in Your Word, Lord. Our hope is anchored in Your Word. So I thank You for every single person right now, Lord Jesus. Fine-tune our ability to hear and recognize the voice of God, we pray. Lord, if there's any known sin, we make a decision to get rid of it. And we look into your beautiful face and we run after you. We run after you to please you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody says... listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.